coming up. It really was damaging for, for that community to have people think that two Hispanic women were driving around Northern California kidnapping a, a white woman like Sari. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. New developments in the Sherry Papini case. Sherry Papini, a woman from the Reading area, claimed she was kidnapped by Hispanic women while on a jog. Five years later, police said it was all a hoax. Okay, ready to get in there? Sherry Papini arrived to court in a gray suit to address a plea deal on charges related to orchestrating her own kidnapping, including lying to a federal officer and mail fraud. Oh, no, we can't have any, we're not going to talk about anything today. Papini was quiet with her hands clasped together. Her attorney, Bill Portanova, did the talking as she made her way to see the judge this afternoon. Life is very complicated, and all we can do at the end of the day uh, is the right thing, and it is never too late to do the right thing. So uh, that's what we're doing, and of course, we thank everyone for all the work they did, but we're sorry, we're going to try to fix this thing. Now to the Sherry Papini case. Today, she was in federal court and admitted to faking her kidnapping back in 2016. She claimed she was kidnapped by two Hispanic women. I'm joined by investigative reporter and anchor Madison Wade at ABC 10 in Sacramento to talk about the latest developments in this case. Madison, thanks for being here with us once again. Yes, thank you. Any of our listeners who've been listening to The Daily Crime regularly will know that we have talked about this Sherry Papini case. We talked about it last month when she was, in fact, arrested. I want to talk about this plea deal she's made, but if anyone is not familiar with the case, let's let's just run through quickly what can you tell us happened uh, when this originally took place? So, yeah, in 2016, she was reported missing from her husband after she didn't come home from a run. Um, Quickly, the narrative was uh, that she just vanished. And um, come to find out, then she was discovered on the side of a highway in Yolo County, which is pretty far away from Shasta County, where she was, uh, where she was reportedly taken from, and uh, she told detectives she was kidnapped by two Hispanic women who had masks on. Uh, they held her captive. They branded her. Um, they, you know, fed her tortillas. Um, they played really loud Hispanic music. She had no idea where she was, and then all of a sudden she was released and allowed to go home. And that's when deputies found her and, and took her back up to Shasta County. Of course, they interviewed her extensively, and uh, several years went by and come to find out, um, FBI got involved and, and, you know, Department of Justice got involved, and, and her case um, was submitted to, you know, the prosecution for charges of mail fraud and other charges because um, they alleged that she faked her kidnapping. She was actually staying with an ex-boyfriend in Southern California, and um, they interviewed him, and he was able to corroborate that story. And so then she was um, arrested. She was then, you know, put into Sacramento County Jail. Then she was facing charges in the federal court system. And uh, come to find out from all of that, instead of uh, going through the process of a, a court case, she ended up taking a plea deal admitting that she did, in fact, fake her own kidnapping, and this was all a hoax. Not only did she, um, you know, distract law enforcement from other cases and, and take those resources, she also took money from the Victims' Compensation Fund. She also took money in the form of GoFundMe 
And so she's now ordered to pay restitution to several different agencies for all the money she took from them. Um, it, it includes $308,000 to the California Victim Compensation Board, the Sheriff's Office in Shasta County, uh, the FBI, and Social Security Administration. Um, she also has penalties up to five years in federal prison for lying to a federal law enforcement officer and up to 20 years for mail fraud. So definitely faces um, a significant amount of charges here, but her plea deal is going to change a lot of that. Um, and, and therefore, we're not sure exactly how long she's going to be, you know, held, um, you know, in, in prison or in jail for what she, she did. But she definitely owes a lot of money back to the people she took that money from. Yeah, it's not a small amount of money. And these are serious charges, you mentioned, with significant amount of time behind bars. My understanding is that her sentencing could be on the low end of that, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, exactly. They're estimating it to be eight to 14 months in custody. Um, you know, she is a mom. She, she uh, according to, to documents and family members, she is still married um, to her, her husband when this all happened. So, you know, of course, uh, a lot of people with the family are, are looking for a lesser sentence and looking for her not to, to be, um, you know, held behind bars for this for too long. But I, I do believe, you know, moving forward, accepting that this, this happened and, and not going forward with the trial, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out um, for her. But definitely, you know, more than $300,000 she owes back to the people that she, she took money from for a hoax, for a fake kidnapping. And I know when she made this plea deal, she appeared before a senior U.S. district judge who, in fact, asked her how she was feeling. Yeah, in a trembling voice, she responded, um, I feel very sad. She said through tears when the judge asked her how she was feeling. She also released a statement through her attorney that says, I'm deeply ashamed of myself for my behavior and so very sorry for the pain I've caused my family, my friends, all the good people who needlessly suffered because of my story and those who worked so hard to try to help me. I will work the rest of my life to make amends for what I have done, Papini said. So, you know, it went from a statement that came out that was very much, you know, oh, wow, well, I was arrested and it was through the family, but it was pretty much saying how the arrest of her could have gone so much better um, and how frustrated and, and angry the family was when she was arrested to now I'm deeply ashamed and deeply sorry for what I've done. It's just a complete 180 um, from, from what the family said to what they're now saying today. Yeah. It's an out, an outcome that perhaps a lot of us, when she was arrested, there was a, an indication, you know, even before her arrest that this was not a real event. Well, I can tell you from a journalist perspective, um, I always, when she was found on Thanksgiving morning, I always thought that is very convenient um, because, again, it's Thanksgiving morning. That's the day you spend with your family. She was missing and vanished and to end up in Yolo County with no recollection of who dropped her off there. Um, it just, to me, really made me curious. I was, I was very like, oh, this doesn't sound, doesn't sound very accurate. Um, another thing a lot of people point to the beginning of is that um, some of her items that were found in Shasta County were neatly found on the side of the road. So if she was abducted, um, you know, her her running air, um, her her headphones wouldn't have been, you know, coiled up so perfectly. And they were found kind of in a perfect little bundle. 
Um, so there, there were just some odd things throughout the case that really did stand out. But I will say the, the day she was found on Thanksgiving morning seemed a little a little convenient. And we don't know all the details, but it certainly lends credence to the idea that the the way she was found, her haircut and scratches and bruises could have been self-inflicted. You know, I hate to, to, to guess on that, but, but it clearly wasn't kidnappers. Yeah. And I can tell you too, the affidavit that was filed in court initially from um, federal investigators is lengthy and goes through so many details as to why they even arrested her in the first place and what they found as they started to ask the ex-boyfriend questions. So for all of you who are listening, if you have a moment to go through that affidavit, it's online. It's it's readily available to find through other um, journalism avenues, including abc10.com, but um, it's up there and you can read it for yourself in terms of the details and, um, and you know, what they were able to uncover uh, with, with her injuries and what she was doing when she was staying with her, her boyfriend in Southern California, what he told federal investigators. It's super interesting. Um, and it's lengthy. I mean, it's like dozens of pages long. And is the boyfriend then not facing any charges as far as we know? As far as we know right now, no. Um, that, you know, I, I, I'm unsure if that will change. Um, but and, and he hasn't been named in this whole process either. So um, I, I know that that's something a lot of people are seeking um, more information from from him. And, you know, did he know she was missing all those different avenues? Um, but her her photo was everywhere when she was missing. Um, this was national, international news. We haven't heard of a motive or reason why. I mean, clearly she she did receive money after all of this, but she has never stated why. No, she has never stated why. And it is possible during the sentencing, maybe we would hear more. Um, you know, it it is possible that, you know, we may never know uh, why this happened. But clearly, if she was staying with an ex-boyfriend, that's someone that she cares about, that cared about her. It's un, it's it's very complicated, but yeah, money was definitely involved. Um, it's it's one of those cases that really makes you scratch your head as to why go through such an elaborate plan to have this be the the end of it all. Um, and so I think it really does, you know, bring up a lot of questions of 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 just why. Um, what what was the payoff here? You know, but um, at the same time, I, I hope it does also bring a lot of conversations to, you know, covering cases that that uh, have such national attention and covering them in the right way and, and asking the right questions. You know, I think back in the day when, for example, when she was found on on um, Thanksgiving morning, like like I said, I was I was very much like, hey, this is a little this is a little suspicious. And as journalists, we got to ask those questions, you know, and. Just because someone is conveniently found on a, a day that's super significant for every family um, doesn't mean that we just take that at face value. So it's just something that I think teaches a lot of people things about each each avenue of our business and what we do as as journalists, as investigators, um, as people who care about about cases like this. Finally, I want to ask you. You know, she she named two or identified two Hispanic women as her captors, her kidnappers. And that did some real damage. 
Absolutely. It did a lot of damage for the Hispanic and Latin X uh, community in California and across the country because when this first came out, um, there were a couple drawings, FBI sketches of these two women. And, um, you know, now we know it was a hoax and it wasn't true. And so for the Hispanic community to be, you know, blamed for, for doing something like this, it caused a lot of fear. And as we know now, it's, it's that fake fear. It didn't actually happen. And so, you know, it, it's, it really was damaging for, for that community to have people think that two Hispanic women were driving around Northern California kidnapping, you know, a, a white woman like Sherry. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't um, true, obviously. And, and now it's, it's something that a lot of uh, Hispanic advocates are, are talking about and, and trying to make sure that their voices are heard when it comes to this case, too. This sketch of two Hispanic women was displayed all over social media and news organizations. It was a description Sherry Papini gave to an FBI sketch artist of who abducted her while on a jog in her neighborhood. To our local uh, Latino community sort of reacted um, quietly and uh, they sort of created their own mechanism for coping with it, but also staying safe. They wouldn't travel in pairs. They wouldn't go out into public unless they had a witness. They wouldn't uh, drive in an SUV to go shopping or on family outings. The Latino community decided to go underground because of the Papini incident. And Madison, when will Sherry Papini be sentenced? Her sentencing is going to take place July 11th um, in the Sacramento County area. So we will be there. We'll cover it. Um, we, you know, as most sentencing happens, we will hear from people who were directly impacted by this. Um, Sherry herself has the opportunity to give her own statement. So we will be waiting to see what she has to say and maybe more information will come out then. All right. Madison Wade, investigative reporter and anchor at ABC 10 in Sacramento. Thanks again for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. Be sure to check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. 